Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I want to get into the word this morning. I have a good word for you. Um, as we approach the end of last year, which sounds strange to say, doesn't it? Just coming out of my mouth, you're listening. Last year was just three days ago. As we approached, however, the end of the year, with the staff, we began to talk about themes and what we were sensing God speaking to us for 2021. And I began to believe because of what was happening in 2020 that God was trying to teach us or use what was happening. Let me put it that way so that you're not confused on this, that God would use what was happening in 2020 to teach us to wait on Him. To wait on Him. And as I thought about this, the thought began to gel in my heart and sharing it with the staff, Pastor Mackay said, you know, Pastor, I'm sensing that, you know what? That made me think, I would really love, church, if we could all begin to call her Pastor Mackay. Let me explain why. Because when you say Pastor Nicole, my name is in it. And I think you're calling me or saying my name. So it will really simplify things because otherwise I'm going to make you start calling me Pastor McLenathan. So don't make me make you call me Pastor McLenathan. And if we'll just make it a habit of calling her Pastor Mackay, that cuts out a lot of confusion for people in the offices, etc. Anyway, she was saying that she was sensing that God, uh, we should have expectancy as we roll into 2021. And after a little consideration, I felt that the two ideas weren't in conflict. As a matter of fact, that they meshed well together. And so you have it. The title for today's message as we begin these 21 days of fasting and prayer, is waiting with expectancy. And if you're joining us, um, Pastor Amy already mentioned the fasting and prayer. It's 21 days of fasting and prayer. If that's new to you, if you're new to the kingdom of God, and that just sounds overwhelming, what do they mean, 21 days of fasting and prayer? And how is it fasting if you're actually eating once a day? Uh, they're... they're 
has been this transformation that has taken place over the years that led us to the point of doing this this way. Yes, you can full-on fast. You could even survive 21 days of only drinking water. I'm not asking you to do that. It's going to be hard enough for some of you to do one meal a day. And we, what happened was it's taken 21 days off of Daniel and the time that it took uh, for the answer to come because uh, the scriptures would tell us in, in Daniel that he was being prevented for 21 days by, if you will, the powers of darkness. But God broke through after 21 days. And so we're going to do that as we start this year. And we were doing this 21 days on a Daniel fast for years, for three years, I think we did the Daniel fast, which again, you're not actually, you're only fasting certain foods. And that got complicated. And I remember the first time, especially that Pastor Amy and I did it, I think I was in the grocery store for four hours. And I thought, this isn't right. This is, this is just, this isn't right. It felt pharisaical to me. And I'll I'll try to explain that to you because I don't want to deter anybody. I mean, it's a good fast. Do it. If you figured it out. But um, then we said upon, you know what? Just, Just cook what's normal for you, but do it once a day. So you're not tied up thinking through everything and all of this. I mean, you know. You know. Just, you know, you're reaching in and you're having to read a box of peanuts, you know. Can I eat that? Is this legal? What about raisins? If it's sugar added, does that mean it's wrong? Cut all that out. Just eat one meal a day. Be reasonable about it. And spend as much time as you possibly can in prayer and seeking the Lord. That's the real point. And even if your work schedule doesn't make it such that you can't just eat after five, eat one meal a day and be done with it. But spend the rest of your time in prayer. Again, don't become pharisaical, holding to the letter of the law. And oh my goodness, God won't answer my prayers if I don't pray after five. Or wait to, to eat at, at after five. It's, don't get bound up in that. And that's how we've come to this. And the point is setting yourself, sanctifying yourself unto the Lord. That's the real point. You, you've been partying since Thanksgiving. So now sanctify yourself and set yourself as, apart as unto the Lord. Give him your time. Give him your full attention. Put away with distractions of eating and consuming and what can I have this dessert and how can I do this and that and just focus on Jesus like never before for 21 days. Now, that said, I'm doing something, we're doing something that we've never done until today. Um, Pastor Mackay and I are actually tag-teaming on this message 
So I'm going to tag her in after about 15, 20 minutes today, and she's going to take it home today. Because I'm going to focus, I'm going to develop the waiting part of the message while Pastor Mackay is going to develop the expectancy side. Both aspects of this message are rooted in our faith. She will share with you that uh, you will never have what you don't expect. You'll never have it. You will have what you expect by faith. She will say words like that in some form or fashion. You have not because you ask not. I will add that until you learn how to wait, you will never get the faith for expectancy. All of this will come out of our understanding of and standing on the Word of God. So we're going to tackle this first. If you're taking notes, if you have your, uh, the app and you've opened it up or other electronic device, you can take your notes right along, but I don't have the full thing. It's the generic notes for you today. But listen to this passage where we, we first look at, um, this is in Genesis, it's, or Exodus, excuse me, chapter 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Isn't that interesting? I just, I got to pause for a minute. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses. Okay. I can't preach that. I got to do something else today. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? You notice they're not saying that to God. They're saying it to Moses. Weren't there, didn't they know that God brought them out there? Apparently not, because panic is setting in. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Moses made them leave Egypt. Was he out there with a, a you know, a, a, a whip? Get out of Egypt! Anyway, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Hear those words. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. When you face a problem, your natural tendency is to panic. You hear that? Your natural 
tendency is to panic when you face a problem. The children of Israel panicked when they saw the Egyptian army approaching them. And it's natural. You see something that looks overwhelming coming your way or you're in the midst of something that is overwhelming like a pandemic. By the way, Pastor Amy failed to mention many of you have already received a $600 per person addition to your checking account. So as you give in the days and weeks to come, I assume that's going to be reflected in your giving. I want to see January be different from... Our treasurer said to us last week, she said, typically, January is a poor month relative to income in the church. I want to see that transformed in 2021. So in the face of a pandemic, in the face of the Egyptian army, your natural tendency may be to panic. They had the same desire. I want you to hear this. They had the same desire as Moses to get out of Egypt. You always have a few bad apples, if you will, in the crowd, uh, down in the mouthers, those who don't believe anything good could ever happen to them. I call them the Eeyore principle. Everybody has the Eeyore personality surrounding them or someplace in their life. Look it up. It's a Winnie the Pooh character if you don't know what I'm trying to say right now. Don't believe anything good will ever come their way. And so, yeah, there were people saying, we don't want to leave. It's comfortable here. It's all good here. Why are you messing with us? But they had... For the most part, they had the same desire to get out of Egypt that Moses did. Like I said, he didn't drive them out. He led them out. They had the same passion to leave behind the bonds of slavery. They didn't like it. They had just endured great hardship. And not for just a, a couple of days couple of weeks, a couple of months, even a couple of years. 400 years! So they had the same passion to leave behind the bonds of slavery that Moses was trying to get them out of. Isn't it interesting? People will hang on to bondages at the first sign of struggle. Go back to your bondage. Some of you that have quit smoking it's been stressful this week. I needed a break. Back on the cigarettes. People will run back to a bondage. that's sapping life out of you. They were seeing the same thing Moses saw. But their view was different. Their perception was different. Their perspective, as I've been preaching over the course of December, was different. Strange how you can look at the same thing and see something different. Let me take you through a quick exercise to prove the point. 
So I want you to lock in on what you first see in this photo that I'm about to show you. And I'm going to take a survey. In fact, I'm going to do it three times over. So I want you to lock in on what you first see, what you think this is. Two, three. How many saw a rabbit? Raise your hand. How many of you saw a duck? You duckers see a rabbit now? You rabbiters see a duck now? Can you see the duck? What about this one? This is a little more difficult. They get harder. How many legs does the elephant have? Yeah, you, you get your eyes around that leg zone and you're like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that a leg coming off of his trunk? What's going on there? Does he have four legs? Because elephants only have four legs, but it looks like this one has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, one more time. Again, first image. Tell me what you see. How many of you see a glamorous young lady looking away from us? Raise your hand. How many of you see an old lady with a long chin? You see the difference? We're, we're looking at the same thing. Those of you who did not see the old lady, now look what would be her band around her neck. That's actually her mouth. What would be the band around the neck of the glamorous lady is actually the mouth of the elderly lady. Same thing, though. We're all looking at the same picture, but we see something different, don't we? Moses is looking at the same army that the Israelites are looking at. But he's not thinking like they're thinking. Why? Moses, let me, let me, let's get into the story of Moses. He did not have to inject himself into the middle of this saga. Are you still with me? Moses didn't have to. Moses was minding his own business when God said, I have a job for you. God appears to him in a burning bush. You remember the story of Moses. And I made this statement because I want you to get how this applies to you. I'm hoping that this message is like a burning bush for you. A burning bush experience for you. How many of you know we have a job to do? Yeah. There are people in bondage all around us destined to spend eternity in hell and we have a short time to change that situation. I mean a desperately short time to change that situation. We have a job to do. God has a job for us to do that will require something that Moses developed what Moses developed was 
his faith in God by his close relationship with God. How did he get that close relationship with God? Like David, who would come after him, and David would become one of God's greatest, the great psalmist and the great king of Israel, Moses developed his relationship with God while tending sheep in the fields. Moses was doing the same thing David did or would ultimately do. When you tend sheep in the privacy of the outdoors, you develop the skill of waiting because you have nothing else to do. And we don't live in that kind of society now. I realize that. But you do not have to become a shepherd to develop the skill of waiting on God. Moses learned to wait in, in this unique environment. But you have to figure out a way to create your own environment that gives you that quiet space with God. You have to do it. It came sort of natural to Moses and God showed up for Moses and said, hey, I got a job for you. But God has a job for you. And unless you learn how to wait in the presence of God, you'll never have the capacity to believe Him by faith to accomplish great things through you. And I'm going to make this statement in a little more harsh fashion. This is a necessity that if you do not grasp you will remain at an immature level in your relationship with God. I'll say that across the board. Don't care if you're in Africa, Nigeria. I don't care if you're in South America or if you're in Iceland. This truth is still true. If you do not grasp the necessity of waiting on God, you will remain at an immature level in your relationship with God. Because waiting builds us up. Waiting actually builds us up. Look at what Moses says. Now remember, they're all staring at the same thing, the Egyptian army on the attack. Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Pardon me, I'm going to take a drink after I... That was a courtesy coffee. Even if I had COVID, you know, you'd, you'd give me three, right? Not run for the doors. I'm trying to give up smoking. That's the real problem. <laughs> Those cigars are finally showing up. I stole that joke from Jonathan. Most of you know that. <clears throat> 
the Lord himself will fight for you, just stay calm. How could Moses say such a thing? Moses instructs the people to just stand still. The last thing you want to do when you're under attack, he says, do it. Just stand still. <laughs> They're running after you with swords and, and, and spears. Just stand still. Sure, Moses. How about I change places with you, bud? At least if I can get in the water, I can swim out a ways. He's essentially telling them that if they had learned to wait on God in private, they'd know how to wait in public. Uh-oh, there's a word for you. If you will learn to sit with God in quietness and without distractions, then when the enemy attacks with the noise of his loud shouts, you'll be able to stand. Because the enemy will attack with his loud shouts. Listen to me when I say this to you. You may have said a dozen times, a hundred times last year, I wish that this, this attack would just stop. I just wish it would be easier. Why does it have to be so hard? The enemy will never stop as long as you have breath. The only difference that will be made is that if you will make it your business to spend time alone with God in quietness, waiting on God, you'll learn how to stand when the noise comes because the enemy's not going to stop if you learn how to meet with God in quietness and meditation then when the clamor and pounding of the enemy comes you can stand strong on God's promise to fight for you that's what Moses tells him stand still watch God fight you don't have to do this. Do you know God will let you fight as long as you want to? He'll let you work. You ever have somebody do one of those things to you? Like you were trying so hard to finish something or accomplish something, and then somebody walks up and says, well, if you just do this, and you're like, I, gotta, I just would have saved myself four hours. You know? I was, some of you know I have, a, I have a new truck. Brand new truck. So I'm, there's this spot under the dash. There's this, <laughs> there's this spot under the dash and I kept thinking, this just doesn't look right. Why would there just be this big old blank spot in the middle of under there? It just doesn't make sense. There should be a cup holder or something in that. And I had a one of the other brothers from the church ride with me who happens to have the same style vehicle, only it's a little older than mine. And, and he just... He got in my truck and he said, hey, did you know this? And he pushes the top of it. He just pushes it. I was pulling it. I was pushing it down. I was trying to pull this thing out. And all he did was push the top of it and went, out pops this big old third glove box, if you will, now. It's so simple. 
he, he saw the same thing I saw, but he had a different perspective. Moses had a different perspective. Consider that strength is gained by waiting. I want you to look at this verse from the King James, New King James Version. I, I, I've been anxious to get to this verse. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Strength is gained in waiting. Look at your neighbor right now. Tell them, strength is gained in waiting. On the Lord, of course. Not just generically waiting. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Consider waiting slash meditating as your spiritual workout. Yeah, you're actively waiting. I'm excited because the gym should be opened up tomorrow. Finally. It should be opened up tomorrow. I've been three weeks lazing around. I tried to do push-ups, but they ain't fun. I want to be on the bench, pushing the weights. Start practicing being alone with God. We're giving you the, a head start on it by having 21 days of fasting and prayer. Start practicing being alone with God. Develop the skill set necessary to sit with God and not talk. Oh, what did he just say? Did he say what I thought he just said? First of all, he's telling us to fast and pray, which means we talk. And now he's saying, sitting with God, but not talk. I said both of those things. Like Moses was seeing the same thing as the people were, you're hearing the same thing, but I have a different perception. Can you be alone with God and not talk at him? Can you? you got to develop that skill. But if you're going to have a relationship with anyone, it requires that you actually listen at times to any person. God is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. So God is there with you, and at times you need to shut up and listen. You cannot have a conversational relationship with God if you do not learn to be quiet and listen. Your trust in the Lord is developed in the quiet of waiting. Your trust in the Lord is developed in the quiet of waiting in His presence. Look at how the New Living Translation develops that first line. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. New Living Translation rightly interchanges the word wait with trust. It's a both-and kind of thing. You get both when you learn how to wait on God in the quietness. And you have to fight for it more than any other generation ever in history. It's always been an issue but it's not been like it is now because some of you can't go two minutes without 
looking at that. Some of you are trying to figure out what does his, what does his phone have on there? There's actually praying hands in the photo. You can't go, and, it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to buzz. Oh, I wonder what somebody's trying to, what's happening? You got to learn how, leave that thing out of the room. Just go in and be with God. Oh, but I use it for my worship music, Pastor. Got to have my phone there. No, you don't. You don't have to. You may want to. And you may, it may be good some of the time. But it won't all of the time because you'll be distracted. So let me bring this thing to a conclusion before I tag Pastor Mackay in. Waiting with expectancy. And here's some stuff you write down if you're taking notes. This is hard, but it's what preachers do, especially on the front end of a year when we want to see changes made. We will never gain the faith that gives us the impetus to trust God for great things unless we learn to wait. We will never gain the faith that gives us the impetus I know that's a big word, but you can figure it out. Gives us the impetus to trust God for great things unless we learn to wait. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying grow in your ability to wait. Grow in it. Make it your determination. Determine in 2021, you will give more alone time to God. Make it your determination. Call it, we can call it resolution if you want. I don't care if you call it that or not, but you need to make, you need to determine like any time in the past, even if you failed every other time, that in 2021, you're going to have more alone time with God than you've ever had in your past. And here's another harsh word. We won't know what we can expect if we don't know how to wait. We won't know what we can expect of God unless we learn how to wait on God and with God. Our expectancy diminishes in direct correlation to our inability to wait. I'm going to say it again because this is, this is tough, but it's the reality you have to get a hold of if you want to grow in Jesus. Our expectancy diminishes in direct correlation to our inability to wait. And finally, the greater our ability to wait, the deeper, wider, and greater our ability to expect. I'll say that one last time, and I'm tagging in the next preacher. The greater our ability to wait, the deeper, wider, and greater our ability to expect. You're tagged in, preacher. Well, as you wait, just as Pastor Cole said, your expectation should grow, not diminish. So as you wait on the Lord, you should get stronger in him.
Um, we know that the Lord's return is very soon. Amen? You can see it by the signs. Um, but also we, we heard from Scripture, Jesus is coming back soon. So how much sooner is now, now that we've waited so long, so to speak? And so the longer that you wait for a thing, the, the longer that you're waiting on the Lord, your expectation should actually be growing because you know you're actually closer to receiving that promise than you've ever been before. Romans 4.20 says this, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. So Abraham, as he was getting older, it was actually becoming less and less possible in the natural for him to receive the promise that God had given to him. And so it looked worse and worse in the natural. And so as you're waiting on the Lord, as you're waiting for that miracle to come to pass, as you're waiting for that promise to be fulfilled in your life, you can actually, just like Abraham, our father in the faith, you can actually grow in expectation, not knowing, well, now it's less and less possible in the natural. No, now you're closer than you've ever been before. That's the viewpoint that we have to see our miracles in. Amen? You will not receive from God without believing. You won't receive unless you know what you can believe for. So why don't we ask ourselves this, this question for your own, own situation, for your own particular uh, circumstance. Maybe it's a prayer point. Maybe it's something that you've declared over your life for this coming season. Um, do you believe God for that particular thing in your life to change? And if you're not sure what to believe, why don't you take some time and actually find it in the word of God what it is that you can believe. If you haven't yet received an answer, do you know what to believe? And do you know what God says to believe? And do you actually believe him? Amen? Jesus asked the blind man, what is it that you want me to do for you? Um, it says in the Bible, you have not because you ask not. It also, Jesus also said, Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And one of the things that we miss in our English language is what it actually is saying um, in the original language, keep asking and you'll receive. Keep seeking and you'll find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. And there's that aspect of perseverance, there's that aspect of waiting um, that, that we miss in our English language, but it's there nonetheless. If you keep asking, you'll receive. If you keep on seeking, you'll find. If you keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. It shows that you really believe when you keep asking, when you keep seeking, when you keep knocking, when you don't give up, when you expect from him. It's actually our position to seek out an answer from the Lord. It's our privilege to seek out an answer from the Lord. It's in our authority in order uh, we can declare a thing. The Bible says we could decree and declare a thing and it will be established. That we can actually come to the Lord knowing that God has already done it. And that we're just aligning ourselves up with the word of God. By his stripes we were healed, the Bible says. Um, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says this, I tell you, Jesus is speaking. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Everybody say this, my answer is on the way. 
So this Bible verse says, if you believe that you have received it, like past tense, then you will have it. And it makes no sense, like as far as mathematically and all of that and tense-wise. If you believe that you have received it, you will have it. Um, but God doesn't speak to our minds. He speaks to our spirit. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And so these, some of the things in the Bible, just it doesn't make sense to our minds, but it can make sense in our spirit, and he's speaking to us, our spirit man, our spirit woman, so that we can hear from him. Our minds, I wrote this down, uh, our minds can dissect in a millisecond every reason why God can't in the natural. And so that's why he doesn't speak to your mind. He speaks to your spirit. Because he wants to encourage you and uplift you and tell you, no, if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. We have to go beyond the natural. We have to go beyond what we think. Uh, all of our five senses, I can never remember all five. I tried to do this at the youth group. I don't know why it's so hard for me to say it. You, anyway, um, all of your five senses, God can go beyond all of that. Your mind can dissect all of the reasons why God can't. But our spirits can believe in him. We can put our trust and our hope in him. And God is not speaking to our minds. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you know that it actually pleases God to expect that we would expect something from him? That pleases him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And our faith is believing in him. Believing that he is who he says he is. So if you're taking notes, the very first point, that was all introduction. The very first point about how we can know what to expect from God is his word. So number one, go ahead and write down the word of God. The word of God shows us everything that we can believe for. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the, word the word of God. Knowing the word helps you to know what we can believe for. Knowing the word of God helps me to know what I can believe for. Do you believe what God says? Well, you might have a problem believing what God says if you don't know what he said. And so you can know by the word of God what you can believe about a thing. We need to take inventory of the word of God more than we take inventory, inventory of our circumstances. We need to find out what, what the Bible says about a thing more than we find out what the doctor says about a thing or more than what my bank account says about a thing, um, more than what your financial advisor says about a thing. Um, if you had looked at your finances, if you had a lot of money in the stocks however long ago, you would have been in trouble. You would have felt bad and pulled all your money and you know, been depressed or something. Uh, but there was a prophet that said, no, the end of the year is going to be glorious. And so if you look at your stock, stock now, you're probably doing much better than you were when it was horrible. All of that to say, don't listen to what uh, the natural speaks. Listen to what the word of God says. You'll prosper whether the stock market crashes, uh, whether there's a dollar or not, you're going to prosper. Um, whether the doctor is giving you a, a terminal diagnosis or not, whatever the case may be, God has the final say. His word says we were healed by his stripes. And so you have to listen, take inventory of the word of God. See what the word of God says about a thing. And you don't have to be ignorant to all of the other things that are, you know, like, don't drive with one of the tires off of your car 
and just be like, well, the Lord said he would protect me. He commands his angels regarding me. Um, you don't have to be ignorant, but also you can know God's going to provide. And, and put that into action. Put that type of faith into action. Zechariah, Zechariah 9 verse 11 says this. Because of the covenant I made with you, sealed with blood, I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless dungeon. Come back to the place of safety. You know, it's actually our safety to trust in the Lord. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. We have a covenant sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ that we can have hope in him, that we can expect from him, that we can trust him to do those types of things in our lives that we weren't sure that anybody else could do. God can do those things because he's sealed this covenant with his blood. And just like Pastor Cole was saying, sometimes our answer doesn't come immediately. Sometimes it just doesn't just pop up. Um, one of the scriptures that just came to my mind as I was reading it in Genesis was how when, when the flood waters came to the earth, um, Moses was waiting to be able to, you know, for the ark to come to rest. And it says that the waters receded gradually. There was a gradual receding of the waters. Some things are gradual that God does. Some things are immediate. In fact, in, in I think it's in Matthew, one of the Gospels, um, there's only two times that a miracle that Jesus did wasn't immediate. So sometimes it's gradual. Sometimes it's immediate. But I can tell you this from the authority of the word of God, that there is an appointed time for you to receive the promise that he has for you. It's coming. Everybody say it's coming. It's on its way. It's already yours. It's just a matter of time before it manifests in the natural realm. Uh, you see it in Daniel. You mentioned it, Pastor Cole. Daniel prayed. One time he received it. Uh, I think the angel said, as soon as you started praying, I came. And so there was a couple, you know, more words of the prayer before the angel got to him. So you see that there's some time difference. And then another time when Daniel was praying, it was 21 days before he got his answer. But he got his answer, right? Both times he got his answer. One time it was almost immediately, and the other time it took three weeks, but he got the answer. The word of God will not ever return void. The Bible says, though it tarries, wait for it. I know it's talking about vision, but though it tarries, wait for it. Though, though you have not yet received what you're believing for, wait for it, because it is sure to come to pass. 1 Peter 2.1 says this, the one who puts their trust in the Lord will not ever be put to shame. Another version says they'll never flee in haste. As you put your trust in the King of kings, in the Lord of lords, in the power of his word, he watches over his word in order to perform it. He honors his word above his name. So as you put your trust and your hope in him, you can be sure you will not ever have to flee last minute looking for help, flee in haste, looking for help from somebody else. If you put your full trust in the Lord, if you put all your eggs in that basket, he says in his word, you will not ever be put to shame. Now waiting, like you said, waiting alone doesn't receive just waiting. You can't just, you know, wait for your dinner to be done without having ever put the dinner in the oven. Um, you have to wait with expectancy. You have to actively wait in faith, knowing that he's about to do something in you. And as that Bible verse says, 
as you wait on the Lord, your strength will be renewed. Rather than coming to the Lord with every single thing that we have wrong, now that is part of our relationship with him. Um, He cares about us. And so he cares if we come to him and we're upset. Um, But that can't be all of the time. Rather than coming to him with just everything that's wrong, we should come to him like 1 John 5.14 says. This is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked for him. So we don't have to come to him crying and begging and pleading Though you can, I'm not saying that you can't cry to him, that like you should, he cares. Um, But what I'm saying is this word says we could come to him with confidence, knowing that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know if he hears us, then we have the answer to that request that we had. If it's in his word, I can have it. If it's in his word, you can have it. If you're... If you don't know what the will of God is for your particular situation, his will is his word. So you can actually know, according to this, what the Bible says, what his will is. I want to encourage you, you could join me. I'm going to be doing the 90-day, read the Bible in 90 days challenge. The last time I did it, I did it in like 180 days. I was thinking about adding a zero. I thought maybe that it was like, maybe they made a mistake and they meant 900 days. Um, but really, if you, if you get the word inside of you, you'll know what you can believe about a situation. And you can get enough of the word in you that you start to unbelieve what you're seeing with your eyes. Because what you see in your spirit is greater than what you see with your eyes. Amen? So go ahead and join me on that. The second point is you can know what, uh, what to expect from God based off of his nature or based off of his spirit. You can know what to expect from God based off of his nature. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So we have the spirit of God to tell us what God is even thinking. That's pretty serious. Then let's back it up a couple verses. Uh, Verse 9 of that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, I'm sure you've all heard heard this, this verse. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Everybody say, I can know what God has in store for me. This says no eye has seen, no ear has heard. We've all um, recited that scripture, but it says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. Maybe your particular situation is not in the Bible. Maybe it's very unique. And there are some unique things that can happen in in our lives. But you can know by his spirit, by his nature, 
what he's like and what he's bound to do for you. Amen? Um, the Bible talks about the unjust judge. There's a woman um, who's asking for her, her case to be answered, and she's knocking over and over again. And uh, Jesus is talking about the unjust judge and about how, man, even, even though he doesn't care, he's going to still get up and answer because she keeps on knocking. And how much more will our God carry about justice to us quickly, the Bible says. And that's because our God is good. He's a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from a fa our Father above. The Bible says, who of you fathers will give a stone to your son who's asking for bread? Who of you fathers will give a snake to your son who's asking for a fish? How much more will your Father who's in heaven give good gifts to those who ask from him? Why? Because that's his nature. That's what our God is like. Um, I was reading the Bible one day, and I got to thinking, um, it says in, I believe, yeah, it's Hebrews eleven nineteen. Abraham reasoned that God could raise Isaac back from the dead. Abraham so Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And we read that and go, yeah, like, it's all throughout the Bible. Um, but I got to thinking, had, that, had Abraham ever seen that before? And so I, I studied it, and here, Elijah was the first person to raise, that, that it's recorded in Scripture to raise somebody from the dead. Elijah came 1,200 years after Abraham. And so the first instance of somebody being raised from the dead was 1,200 years after Abraham already believed that God could do it. No eye had seen yet. No ear had heard about that yet. Whatever, even if no eye has seen the answer to your problem, even if doctors would say, no, there's a 0% zero, zero survival rate, or no, I've never seen anybody come back from this before, even if no eye has seen it, even if no ear has heard it, even if no mind can comprehend it, amen, it is the nature of our God to do that thing for you because he loves you, amen? God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only begotten son, he loves us so much that he gave. Let me ask you this question. For How many of you guys have children? Um, so the kids, when they came out on Christmas Day, knowing you, whether you said that they were getting something or not, because, you know, some kids are bad, so you got to be like, you're getting nothing for Christmas. Whether you said whatever you said to them, they expected to open a gift, right? Yeah. Why? Because they know you. They know you. They know you love them. They know you care about them. And so they knew that they, they could expect a gift. They probably were looking for their name, which one was theirs. Now let's flip-flop it. What, how disappointed would you have been with them if they came up to you and they were like, thank you so much. They, they hugged you. I love you. Thank you so much. But... I don't want anything, and walked away. 
And I'm not talking they came back five minutes later and was like, just kidding, I want to open the gifts. I'm saying they never come back to open the gift. Like, it's March. And you're like, will you please just open? I get that you love me, but will you please just open the gift? You would have been disappointed. And you probably would have been mad, too, because you got all these gifts. You worked hard. You wrapped them, all that stuff. All of that to say, God loves us so much that he gave. And he didn't just give us his son. He gave us the ability to have abundant life in every area of our lives, to have eternal life, everlasting life. And that starts when you get saved, but it doesn't end until you're going throughout all eternity, which it never ends. And so he wants us to have an abundant life full of his blessings. His Bible says, or the Bible says, I will fill your life with good things. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's time to start getting our hopes up. Amen? I want to encourage you today, get your hopes up. Expect from God based off of his word, based off of his nature, based off of what he's like. The Bible says let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness. And finally, you can know what to expect from God from experience, whether that's your experience or whether that's an experience of somebody else. Now, you should never see the word of God through your experience. You should always see your experience through the word of God. So that has to be at the very bottom of the list. But the Bible says that we can comfort each other based off of the comfort that we've received from God. And so I could be comforted knowing that you received an answer to something that I'm looking for. So that's why we testify. To build up each other's faith, to encourage one another in our faith, because you can, be- I can now believe because I heard that God did it for you. Time and time again, you see in scripture, people hear of what God did. People hear about what Jesus did, and they come running to him. So we can know based off of our experience, what did God do in your life in the past? Did he pull through for you? Did he heal you? Are you still standing? Did he provide for you that time that you were in college and you were putting all of your canned goods in the safe because you didn't have much money and you didn't want people to take your ramen? Um, Look at you now. And I'm just speaking from experience. Um, Look at you now. Did you make it? Did did God pull you through that time that you felt like I'm not going to make it through this or I don't know how I'm going to make it through it? Here you are. Here you are. You made it. And you're going to continue to make it, just like the first song that we, I'm still standing. Yes, I am standing on the promises of Jesus. Because every promise in his word is yes, but we have to respond with a resounding amen. Meaning you have to agree with the promises of God. They don't work for you unless you agree with them. And you can't allow your hope to waver. You can't allow your expectation to waver because some time has passed. What a joy it brings to the heart of our Father if we believe him all the way through. If we really don't waver, if we don't doubt, if we're not tossed about like the waves on the sea, you can really trust God all the way through because of his word, because of his nature, and because you've seen him do it before. And if you haven't ever seen him to do, it, do it before, I can assure you, as soon as you put your trust in his word, you'll see him do it. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. The Bible says, forget not all of his benefits. 
We can truly remember the goodness of God, and that can help fuel us for receiving his next promise to us. We can continue to wait on him. The Bible says when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? He's going to absolutely pull through for you. Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that there is no darkness in him at all. It also says that his ear is turned away from those who are sinners. And so I just want to share with you, there's, there's one other possibility why you have not yet received. And it's because God's ear is not tor turned towards you to answer your prayer until you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. His blood is what makes these promises possible. His shed blood is what make, makes these promises possible. And you need to believe in Jesus Christ first as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that you need to repent. That means turn away from your sin. And then you need to acknowledge Jesus before man. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you know, man, I know that my sin has separated me from God. And I have not ever asked his forgiveness or I've never repented from my sin. I've never turned away from my sin. But you're here today and you are hearing about the goodness of God. It says it is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. So in hearing about his goodness, you want to turn to him and you want to be freed from your sin and you want to be heard by him. If that's you and you would say, I have not ever received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, or I've never repented, I've never truly turned away from my sin, but you want to turn to him today, I want you to lift your hand right where you're at. You would say, I know I've sinned against God, and I know I'm in need of a Savior. I don't see any hands here, but I'm going to pray for those of you who are online listening. If you need to receive Christ as your Savior, go ahead and repeat this prayer after me, but believe it from your heart. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is my Lord. God, I believe that you raised him from the dead and he is alive right now to give me power over sin. I turn away from my old way of living and I turn towards you. Fill me now with your spirit that I would live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, God, we pray for each and every person who's here. For those of you who are here and those of you who are online, go ahead and lift your hands to heaven. We bless you, God. And we thank you that you have been true to your word. You have not ever failed me. You've always been faithful. You've always been loyal. There's not one point in your word that you have failed me and you will not ever fail me. I thank you God that I have an expectation of you, that I can expect something from you because you sent your son Jesus to die for me that I would have abundant life. You don't want me just making it. You don't want me, so to speak, just sliding into home plate, all tattered and torn. But you're coming back for a spotless bride, without spot, without blemish. And we are your bride, 
and you make it possible for us to expect from you and to walk in those fulfilled promises. I thank you, Father God, that every person who's in this place who has been waiting for a promise to be fulfilled in their lives, I thank you that you would encourage them now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Though it tarries, wait for it. There is an appointed time that our answer is on its way, that you've already done it in the spiritual. It's already done by the power of your blood. And we believe that we have already received it. And because we've already received it in the spirit, we will have it in the natural. And we declare that this year will be our year of miracles, signs, and wonders, seeing your word come to pass. And also, God, that we will know that when we come into your presence, whether it's on a Sunday, a Wednesday, or every day when we're on our faces before you, thanking you of your goodness, that we can expect something from you because you love us so much that you gave and you've never stopped giving. In Jesus' mighty name, if you believe your life is turning around, go ahead and shout amen. Hallelujah. Please join us tonight for prayer. It is at 6 p.m. Uh, prayer and worship, we want to have you there. Also, tonight's prayer point is about lost, or lo lost to found. So if you have somebody who's a loved one or a not-so-loved one that you know needs to give their hearts to the Lord, um, we're going to be praying that they would have their relationship restored to Jesus. If they've never known him, we're praying that God would reveal himself to, to them uh, tonight. So don't miss tonight. We really want you here. Start off your year right. Get in the house of the Lord. And if you make a point to make these next three weeks uh, of prayer and fasting your time with the Lord, it will set the stage for the entire year for you. Amen. We love you guys. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 
888-888-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here in taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We wanna do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you, have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.